Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Thank you, Simon. Well, welcome to uh, Catch and Wolf on Bedlam Farm, or Wolf and Cats on Bedlam Farm. It's been, we're Wolf. rusty. We've been a few weeks we're off. We're really rusty. You know we're what? fumbling around here for like 10 minutes to get rolling. And you know what happened? What? You know why we're doing a podcast today? Why? Because we cleaned up your office, and we found the microphone. <laughs> and we found the computer. <laughs> and we found a desk. And there I was. And you found me lying under a pile of, of Papers, and I just threw them out, and there and you books were. and all this stuff. <laughs> About three times a year, Maria volunteers to come and help me or clean up my office, and it's a good thing. It's a really good thing. And it's really a mess. You're very good about it, too, though, because some people don't want to throw anything out. And you're like, if if you look at a piece of paper and you have no idea what it is, you just throw it in the garbage, which is really good. What I would wish is that you came in and threw everything out. Well, without, I could do that, but then, but then what would happen is you would say, have you seen that... Blah, blah, and you blah. say no, you threw it out. <laughs> That's all. And I, if I don't see it, it's gone. It's, I know it doesn't, not, exist, it doesn't anymore. exist anymore. Yeah, yeah. It's the joy of dyslexia. Well, so all right. So here we are. It's March. It's March first. March first. <gasps> Welcome I have to, to March. Take the Christmas lights down. We're taking outside. the Christmas lights. We're just weeks away from spring. Yeah. Which is a big deal here. Well, we have a, an incense stick burning as we do this podcast. I know. It might make us. me sneeze. And make, us, make us sneeze. <laughs> oh, we got, you get to hear us sneeze. It'll be, we can push it away. So lots of things are going on since you last heard from us. I'm sorry for the delay, but we've been kind of busy. We had a lot going on. Um, we lost a friend, which we can talk about a bit. Um, we went up to Vermont to get the yarn, which we really are going to talk about a lot. Yeah. And, and, we, and old, we're going to talk about uh, new stickers that are gone, too. Magnets. Magnets, uh, the, the the twin healing tree magnets. Yeah. So why don't you talk about the yarn because it's quite an exciting. Okay, so story. it was two. It's been two weeks. It's been two weeks since I picked up the yarn, um, and I sold I sold half of it the first weekend, and now the rest of it. I think I have one ball of roving left, um, which I have a, a beautiful yellow ball of roving left from um, Rosemary and Liam that I dyed yellow, but the yarn just went so quickly and more it, quickly than usual. Well, you know, I think that it has been going. Yes. Um, and I'm, I'm not sure why I guess the colors, the colors were good colors. Well, you've been experimenting with colors I and dyeing been, and that's, people been. really like that. And then I had my, my major glitch on Etsy where they were, something went wrong and they were selling yarn that it was already sold out. My blue yarn. Um, Wait. That was already sold out. It says recording. (laughs) We're like... (laughs) Something happened. (laughs) We might be talking and... How do you stop? It's not recording. It's not recording. It's recording still. Okay. All right. Let's keep going. see it's still going. There we go. Sorry. Sorry about that. (laughs) We're having having trouble today. Technical difficulties. Good Lord. Well, somebody told me about some planet in, in retrograde, and that's why there's all these technical problems happening. I see. All right. So something in the sky. It's not us. Right. It's us too. Well, I hope this is recording. Otherwise, we're going to be all ticked off in a half an hour. And we're going to have to do it all over and again. And do it all over again. 
I'm sorry. So go ahead. So, so the yarn is just really, it's really selling. And, um, I had, I had, um, some barber pole yarn left, which is a twist of two different, two different colors. They did natural white and a, um, and a gray. And that was the last thing that was the last yarn to sell. And it's all gone. I had the most of that. So the fun part about, about this is that I start already to think, okay, in April or May, we're going to have the sheep shorn again. And then I start to think, oh, and what am I going to do with it this time? You know, the roving, the roving worked out. Um, I wasn't sure if it was going to. And roving is the yarn before, the wool before it's spun into yarn and spinners use it and felters use it. Um, so spinners spin it into yarn. And, um, and I, gave, I gave one of those, um, one roving to Susie, my friend Susie Fatzinger. And she is spinning you sell her it. shawls. Yes, I sell her shawls. And she's, she's spinning it right now. And she's going to use it to make... Um, to, to combine with her, her wool from her, from her um, Angora goats. And she's, she's in the process of making a, um, a shawl. I'm going to write about her that shawls today. are beautiful. You've been sold a Yeah, and you got one for, for Emma. From, from this was kind of a trade because she gave us the, the scarf for Emma, so I gave her some of my wool. And, um, you have all these little arrangements with all these It's people, nice. It's think. really nice. And well, so, you yes, love doing this. I do. I love the sheep and I love the wool. It, it, and, it somehow pulls the whole thing together, the, the sheep. The farm, the art. Yeah, it, it 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 it's funny because it's like I don't use the wool directly for my for my own work, but it it's like a continuation. You know what I mean? It's like an offshoot of my work because the animals all come into what I do, and and then this just adds like another leg onto my work that I'm not creatively u- using it, but it other people get to. You know, and I get to see what they make. And then like Susie and I have this great, this great thing going, you know, where um, I sell her shawls and we just keep in touch. And I mean, she was really helpful, helpful to me with, um, with pricing and with figuring out what to do with the roving and the roving worked out really well. I had one woman who bought one of them and then um, she immediately, as soon as she got it, she bought another one because she loved it so much. I had that happen with the yarn too. So that, that feels really good. You know, that means the wool is good and spinners, Spinners are, are, you know, they know what they're doing. They know what good wool is. Um, and knitters too, you know, um, the serious knitters. So it, it makes me feel good. Like this is, like I've really developed some good wool. I didn't get that. Could you oh, try because your, your iPhone is, you just awakened Siri. <laughs> All right. Well, everything is happening. Off. Everything is happening this is, today. This is like. This is really yeah. like a wild ride. <laughs> Buttons are coming on and off and, and cameras are coming on and off. All right. Crazy. I think we got it now. So, so I love the uh, communication. You got, you got a wonderful message from a woman who hadn't seen your blog in a couple of years, and it's just come came on again to buy some yarn. Oh, you? it was a, it was about the belly dancing. Right? Don't you tell me? So us. Antoinette, um, she had been fo- she followed me on my blog, and it's probably been two years. She she sent me a couple of letters saying that uh, she didn't have her computer anymore, and she was in a place where she couldn't get internet, and so she was offline for like two years. And I, we kind of kept in touch, you know, letters, every uh, cards every now and again. And then I hadn't heard from her. And um, then she popped up on, she popped up on my, on my blog and she left a comment because when I had written about um, my belly dancing um, experience, how I'm, I've, I finally learned, I like, I can zill when I'm dancing, which is very exciting. And, and she said, because she hadn't, hadn't seen my blog in so long, she was really surprised at how, 
how much I had progressed in the belly dancing and how when she la was last reading it, I had written about how I was thinking of quitting because I, you know, I thought I never was going to be able to do it. And I can't quite remember that. I remember it. But you remember, you remember, yeah, well, you, you helped, you, yes. you, you actually, said no. <laughs> yeah, you said, you know, you said, you said you, that often what I do is I get to a certain point and then I can't do, this, and I can't do it and I just like give it up. And, and you said, just try, just keep trying, you know, stick with it, stick with it. And I, and I did, and of course now I'm like loving it, but it was really neat to get that message from her. Cause it was kind of like a time travel. You know, I, I can't really remember what that felt with cause it's been so gradual for me, you know, to be so, so uncertain. Um, well, the belly dancing has transformed so many things inside of you. I mean, you know, your whole view of yourself has changed. Your yes, whole view of your body, your whole has. view of your confidence, your whole view of your hanging in there, your whole view of your trying things. I mean, your friendship, a lot of, a lot of things have changed from belly dancing. It's, it, it's, it's a big deal. So many different things have happened. It's not just, it's not just the dancing because so much comes along with it. And, and I have changed. I mean, it's, it's been a really interesting interesting thing i remember when you 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 were really you, you thought uh, first of all, you, you weren't sure you wanted to do it and then you thought you couldn't do it which is sometimes you often like think i knew i couldn't could do, not it. do it i knew i, I had but no what's ability the is, why did you believe me when i said that you could i think there must have been something in me that i really wanted you didn't to want keep to quit. doing you didn't it. Want to quit. yeah i wanted to i wanted to get wanted to, to that quit, point you would have quit. yeah i really liked what i saw and i wanted to be able to do it and i wanted to get to that point and then i started believing like I don't think to myself, oh, I'll never be able to do that again about anything because I feel like now I just don't know because if I could do this, I feel like, you know, I could do, I could do almost anything, you know, that well, I want to do. It was a transformative experience. Definitely. In many, many ways. Definitely. I mean, I see my body completely different. I think I see my body the way it actually is um, for the first time in my life. Well, another thing happened recently, I think that, um, are you done with the wool, by the way? Can we finish the wool? Um, I think we just slipped off into the topic. Yeah, yeah, no, that's fine. But this also leads into what we've been going through with our friend Susan and, and how right. that has also changed you in yeah. a very important way. Was like, you, know, you always see the spiritual writings all the time that everything's a gift, especially trouble and bad things and mistakes are special gifts because you learn from them. And, and you don't learn a lot from uh, you know, normal life. When everything's going well. When everything's going well, you just keep going. Um, and I think this was the case. We had a friend Susan Popper. Many of you know her name. She had a blog. Uh, she was on the creative group at Bedlam Farm. She moved up here to, to because she loved the idea of a life in the country to give rebirth to her life. Um, we had complications in our friendship. We don't need to go into those. Um, and so we hadn't seen her for a while. Then we learned she was very ill. She was stricken with cancer and almost immobilized. And we ended up getting very, very involved in her final care. She died a couple of weeks ago. Um, we helped to get to the hospital. We helped organize her care. We got a new home for her you did. You did most of that for her. You did a lot. You really, you took over as the hospice volunteer, you know, and you really helped her settle, settle up her, well, as much as possible, settle things up and just get her to a place where she was comfortable and safe. And it was wonderful having that hospice training. You did a really, right you there. did a great job. Yeah. It's like you knew just what to do. But one of the things that happened in, in the course of the friendship, it ended rather painfully for you particularly. You felt really betrayed by her right. because she couldn't be truthful to you, which she owned up to and all. Um, and why don't you talk about how you how you resolve that? Well, I had really closed myself off to her. It was one of those things where I I felt I really felt betrayed by her, and it went so deep. I just like it was like I was done. I was just done with her. And then when we came upon her and she was so sick, 
you know, you, I, I mean, she was just, you know, she, like all that fell away and you say, okay, we, we just need to help this person because, you know, because she was so sick. And, um, and then she wanted to talk to me and I didn't really want to talk to her because I was like, I am done with this you person. I do her. not want to open it up. I am, you know, I was just done. And when she talked to me, um, we talked on the phone and she said, and she, she said, you know, she said, I knew you were, she said, you were, you were being a friend to me. She said, and I couldn't, I didn't know how to do that. I didn't know how to be a friend to you. And when she said it, it was like, it was like one of those, you know, one of those moments where um, everything just became clear to me. And I realized that this great betrayal that I felt, for, felt from her went so deep inside of me and had somewhat to do with her, but more to do with my own past and the sense of betrayal that I felt around my own family that I grew up in. And that I had been carrying this, this sense of betrayal with me my whole life, you know, all these years. And somehow when, and, and I always felt when, when she, when she said um, she couldn't do it, it took away the malice, you know, so I didn't see her anymore, anymore as someone who was trying to intentionally harm me. And I thought, well, if she wasn't trying to harm me, maybe my family wasn't either, you know, maybe it wasn't intentional. Maybe they just, um, they just didn't know how to do it. They didn't know how to connect with me. You know, they didn't know how to, to, they didn't know how to know me. They didn't know me. And they didn't do it intentionally. And I thought if they didn't do it intentionally, it just, it, it like it all fell away. And I always felt very bad because I wasn't like them. And it made me feel bad about myself. Um, it made me think that I was a bad person because I didn't want to live my life the way they did and do the things that they did. And so I felt guilty and, you know, um, and I thought, well, somehow it just all, like, it, it was like, poof. I thought, we're just different. We're just different people. And it, it all went away and that sense of betrayal and it made me feel so light. And I feel like um, this, this huge weight dropped you released off of something. me. Oh my, it was just, it, it, and it changed, it, it has changed the way I feel about my family, you know, and this, this like, <laughs> it's that idea of letting go of that story that you've been holding on to for so long that, that all it does is weigh you down. You know, I, but the thing is, before Susan, I wasn't even aware I was doing that. I wasn't aware I had this sense of betrayal in me. And I wasn't even aware of it. And it just, it was like, I became aware of it. And then it was like, poof, you know, I mean, it wasn't that quick. But when she said that it was, it was like, I just felt like a lighter. I felt like a different person. And I still do. It's, it's carried over. And so when you talk about uh, the trouble connecting, you and I connected instantly. Without, yeah. And like in, immediately. I know. And we're both hard to connect to, I gather. And um. And uh, that, I, so it's always strange when I hear that because we just connected right away. Well, um, that was one of those very strange things about us is it was like, it was like, e it was always easy to talk to you from the very beginning. It was right, easy the to very talk first to you. we always talk. And it's funny because it's not the case. Well, for me, Susan was also a transformative experience. I mean, one of the things that happened here is she got too interested, too involved in our lives and we had to push it back, which happens from time to time, especially people who move here. Um, and, and not, I shouldn't say that a lot of people have moved here. We haven't had any difficulties at all, but sometimes people who aren't happy get the idea in their head that this is a perfect life. And if they can come up here and be around it's here, gonna, it's, it's going to be gonna perfect be perfect for them. And we have to be careful. We learned, we have to be careful too, because we can enable without right. meaning to, because we so support that idea. Right. And we, since we are people who came up here to change our lives and it was successful for us when we assume other people can do that. And some people can't. And she, she was also very troubled. Um, and then to have this relationship, which was awkward, difficult, and had to stop, 
and then to be thrown into this intimate caretaker role where you really, I mean, I was the proxy for her medical care. Yes, it was and, intense. And she lost consciousness and, and coherence. I had, to, I had to make these medical decisions with her doctors, which was quite an amazing position to be in. It was a good thing. It, I was happy to do it. It was not a hard thing for me to do. But but sitting there watching somebody you know well die day after day for two or three weeks is hard. It had an effect on you. It did have an I mean, effect. Definitely, I definitely it felt was it. The, the, after, afterwards, you know, I think you, you were so in it. You're so in it while it's happening, and you're so busy taking care of things and doing what you need to do, but you don't really let yourself feel it. But And afterwards, when it's when it's all gone, it, it, then all the emotion, I think, rushes in. Well, in hospice work, you, know, you don't know the people very well, so they're not connected to you yeah. in that personal way. And Susan, we knew very, very well. Uh, she died, and, and so we helped get her dog away, and her brother came in to see her and all that. She died peacefully and and, um, and, and comfortably. But it was an amazing learning experience for both of us, I think. Yes. Um, and a so, powerful. So how for you? Well, I think I've, I think I've learned also, as I've learned many times, but you never stop learning it. Uh, you can't save another person's life. They, they have to do it. Um, and you have to be cautious about um, about people who just, I mean, she didn't really know me. She knew me as a celebrity. Even and when we got to her house and, and talked her into getting into an ambulance, uh, she kept saying to the ambulance driver, oh, this is John Katz. You know, he's a famous writer. Yeah. That's what she said to the nurses at the she hospital. She did to the doctor. That's all she, it was. She said, oh, this is John Katz. He's a really famous writer. And she never really, you know, I don't, as you know, do not see myself as a celebrity. And I'm astonished uh, at people who see me that way. But some people do. And, um, and uh, and and it took me a while to get that. Yeah, and and that's that's that part of that she didn't feeling know me, of, of she didn't she didn't know you she didn't you know I mean that's that's you think this person is your friend and and really she can't get past the idea that of the of the you know th- this idea of you instead of the which is the, not friendship the real you it's not friendship and no. she said idealized you and me both as this yeah. kind of couple. You too, that you were the, the creative woman, the artist, the independent woman, you had love in your life and connection. These are all things she never was able to get right. and wanted. And so I think that drew her into you as well. The two of us became kind of a fantasy couple yeah. and a fantasy life. I always write often as I can that, that this is a really good life, but it's not a perfect life. I don't want a perfect life. A farm is not an easy place to have and run. Um, and, and we have the same troubles everybody else has. <laughs> and was, that's why, I mean, I, I even, I even said to him, like, I, you know, I just, you, you know, she, she did, she did see us that way. She said that to me and, and, and I said, I, I just can't even, that's like so beyond me to even think that it would never enter my mind, you know, but it's something to be aware of because you don't want to be doing you don't want to be harming someone in that way, you know? Well, you also, you know, you don't have any, anything like an ego like that. You don't, you, you, you don't see yourself. I no. you, just, you just don't do that. Um, and I think it can, it can throw people off, I suppose, in a way, because it makes right. us, it makes us sometimes unprepared. Right. Um, and, I, and I think, you know, we did, we did all right. We figured it out. We knew it was happening. We dealt with it. And I think we, we did well by Susan at the end of her life, which I feel very good about. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it's a very sad story. It's just yeah. a very sad story. This person who, went to so much trouble to come up here and rebuild her life and then get stricken with the virulent cancer and just knocked down. And, and nobody knew her. And, and I don't think I knew her and I don't think she knew me, but I thought she was a friend. So I've been working on friendships and I've made a couple of really good friends lately. And I think I'm getting the hang of it. Like you're figuring out what it, figuring what, it, out what it takes and, and what, what to do. And uh-huh. I, I don't need a lot of friends. I don't want a lot of friends. I'm not that social, but I, but I do like to have a couple of friends I can really talk to. 
And I think I'm, I'm understanding that people have to have balance in their own lives for, for me to be friendly with them. Um, as I have to have balance in mine. And it can't be, you know, the only thing. It can't be the perfect friendship. It can't be intense and all the time. It has to be bounded and grounded. And um, so the people I'm friends with have very full lives, as I do, and are very busy, as I am. And we're always delighted to see and talk to each other because it's a break in the, in the madness. Catch up. I, I also, I think from all of this, I really have come to see how there are all different kinds of friendships, you know, um, and that there, there are some people that you get the, the friendships are very close and, and, you know, you tell them your, you know, your, your, your deepest, darkest stuff. And, and there are friends who, it's very dramatic, right? you know, or, or that you, you know, you do that, but you're, you're also friends, but you know, you just, you can be, you know, you can have a good time together too. But then there are some people that you wouldn't do that with, you know, you wouldn't, you, you wouldn't tell them everything or you wouldn't get that close, but they're still friends. You know, there's all different kinds of friendships. Yeah, you have you know? Sometimes a good friend I have lunch with every few months and it's very nice. Yeah. And, you know, you know, this, and we don't see each other, talk to you the rest of the time. What do you want in a friend? Um, I, I need, I need, I think I need a friend to know me. You know, I think that's the biggest thing is, is for them to, to, to really know me or want to know me, you know, um, even if they don't, to want to get to know me and, and, and to know me. That's, that's really important. You told me recently that you, you felt like you were forming a family, a community of new friends. Well, you know, I had this interesting experience when I actually, I was just going into the co-op into, I work once a month at the co-op. I volunteer there and, um, the food co-op, the food co-op right. in town. Yeah. And, um, it's just a little, this little place, but I've been doing this for, for years. And I, I walked in the other day and I just was, you know, I went and put an egg carton, you know, you bring your egg cartons in and they, they reuse them. And I put it in, I, I put it, you know, where they go. And I just got this overwhelming sense of that I really belonged there, that the sense of belonging um, and the sense of community that people do know me there, but they don't know me intimately. But I go in there and, you know, they, 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 they know something about me because of the way I work there and because I work there and because we shop there a lot. And it just felt really good. It just felt like, okay, this, this sense of, this sense of belonging. And that if something, you know, if I didn't show up, people would know, you know, and there's something kind of nice about that. <laughs> I think, especially when you don't, when you don't have a job that you go to every day, you know? Well, um, we, well we have a, you know, small towns, I think, lend themselves to that. Yeah. Too. Yeah. I mean, everybody knows us, even if they don't like us, they know us. Yeah. And, and being known really feels good. It does feel good. It's true. It, it just, it just feels real. It's like, you know, going to see Wendy at the post yeah. office, you know, I mean, you know, just, you Wendy, Wendy who was so, she was so helpful when we need to stop Susan's mail. She was just very helpful, you know, and she just, you know, and that's the kind of thing that happens, but it makes you feel like, because it, it just, it just I went into the, a, very a couple of years sense. ago, I went into the post office and I went and Maria wanted some stamps and I asked for stamps and I picked some out. And Wendy, who I didn't really know at the time says, you know, I don't think your wife would like these stamps. <laughs> I said, what do you mean? Well, she likes flowers and animals on the stamps. She, she, she wouldn't like the one you got. It's kind of dull. She wouldn't like it. I said, oh, okay. And so I got the stamps. And you love the stamps that she picked up. Yeah. I thought it's amazing that for the postal clerk to know. I know. So she, and she probably knows it about she everybody. She about everybody. And she cared. <laughs> yeah. She didn't want me to get the wrong stamp yeah. tree. She needed yeah. to be pissed off. Wendy and I share an animal, an animal oh God, love of oh animals God, that, we, uh, that we always get to talk about. Is she the snails, not you? She would be. I should have to talk more about my snails. She's going to come to your next snail party? Well, she might. 
Well, she probably would ask. Is going to be another snail party? I don't know. <laughs> <You're not sure. laughs> the other one wasn't so successful. They didn't come out for it. So. Well, we have, we have uh, revived our stricken fish tank. We had a bad run of illness there. John, you did a beautiful job. I have to say, nice I would I definitely tank. would have given up, but <laughs> you did a really good job. You don't give up. We don't give up. On the fish tank, I would have. We don't give up. I would have had a snail tank. I would have true. had snails and shrimp. Snails and shrimp. Yeah, yeah. She would have probably that loved that. Been, that that would have been, been fine. fine. Yeah, sure. You know. but we may get there yet. We may get there yet. No, you get, you get, you did a really good job with it. We can you always happen with fish, though. It can always, it can always happen. Yeah, we had a real die off. So we're also, uh, I, I think the other thing that was interesting about the Susan thing is that Zinnia sort of came of age therapy-wise during that. Oh, because you took her to the hospital? I took her to the, the hospital all the time. And she really learned what to do in the hospital. She just had a natural knack with it. She'd go into Susan's room, sometimes other people's rooms, and, and lie down. Yeah. And then if, we, if they wanted to touch a dog, she'd come over and put her head there. And they could reach out and pat her. And it was great to see her grow into that over the course of those weeks. She just became a, a really terrific therapy dog, as she has also at Bishop Magan High School. We did get thrown out of the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> she was really because good at what she did, the but not The volunteer good coordinator was a little stiff, and, uh, and you, have to, you have to go. I'm not used to this. You have to go a certain amount, certain minutes, do certain things they tell you to do. But you can't, you can't move freely about. So we're not going to go there. Um, but she's been a sensation at Bishop Magan High School. Um, kids just are crazy about her, and they mob her, and she loves it. And uh, and and uh, one guy Christian, um, he has some some issues uh, with his health, and uh, he likes to sit on the floor. And she just climbs on his head and just knows and looks and knows. <laughs> he looks. Did, did he like that? He or? loved it. He absolutely no, loved, well. He sweet. wanted it to do it. I don't uh -huh. even know what. But she knew to do that. She doesn't do that with other people. Right. She, right. she really knows how to respond individually. So how do you, what do you think that comes from? Is that is, is she getting that message from you? Is I, that instinct? What do you think that is? I think it's a it's she has certain training is very important. She comes when called, she lays down when told, she stays when asked. But this ability to intuit how people react to her is is something you can't teach. So you think that's just I mean she doesn't you know these are a lot of old people and sick people. She doesn't reach her paw out, she doesn't touch them with her claws, she doesn't gnaw on them in any way like puppies do. She's very appropriate. She she's, stays away from people that don't want her. These are decisions that a good therapy dog makes on their own and because you can't be in their face all the time. Um, and so she has a great feel for it, and I think she's been really honed. It's just, I think when Susan's death was a very sad thing, but lots of good things flowed from I was that. just thinking that's another, another gift that came another, out another of Another gift that came right? out of Susan. Yeah. And, and everything everything uh, is a gift Yeah. in its own way if it makes you think. I also learned too that, and you've gone through this, I think, with the uh, the belly dancing. I think what I always thought about the belly dancing, I think I see it very clearly now, is that you did not know yourself. I mean, you thought you were ugly. You thought you were, had, you know, stomach issues. I don't know what you thought. Um, and you thought you were not competent. Uh, you didn't know that you could learn to dance. You know, you can, which is very physical, very intense, and very complicated. Belly dancing is like a hundred thousand things to learn. You're doing, your, you're doing so many different with things clothes with your and body, body movements. At the same it's time. very complicated. So, so in order to do it well, you have to start awakening, and you have to start saying, "This is who really am I?" You know, um, I happen to think you're very beautiful, but uh, you know, that's that's an art. That's a, of course, I do it because I love you. But but I think you're not any of the things you thought you were. You are very capable of doing it. You know, you look very good. You're very natural. You've learned a lot. You're physical. You're 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 very athletic. You didn't know that. I had no idea. And now but you know. It, that. But I think it must be true because I'm doing it. Mm -hmm. Plus, it's very natural in the way that 
it's like I love the clothes. I love the costuming. I mean, that's oh, you love, oh so God. natural to me. And yet I, I know, and I wouldn't do it for so long. I held off from doing it for so long because I didn't want to just. It want to be fake. Yeah, yeah. It's like I had to earn. I had to earn it, you know. And so um, I just made my first coin belt the other day, which was so much fun. I mean, man, was that fun to make. <laughs> it's a video on your website. Take a look. <laughs> so, so that's a big deal to, to really get to get to well. If I'm like you, were somebody who was taught early <laughs> on that you didn't have a lot to offer, and that you weren't special and you weren't gifted, um, and you were laughed at a lot. So, to to come to a different place is it, it takes decades of therapy work for most people. And well, it's belly dancing led you. It did lead me. It did. It you know me. what I was not just, the only thing. But. I was just thinking how you know I get so upset when when I feel like people don't know me, and yet. I didn't really know myself, you know? Well, so you know. that's, that, I just thought of that. That's kind of an interesting and How thing. many times have we written and said, if you do not love yourself, nobody can love you. So if I don't know myself, how can other people know me? If I'm hiding myself, right? And I know I, do, I, know I was hiding myself for most of my life. Yes. You know, and so I couldn't, I couldn't really know myself. But you know, self. I don't think we hid ourselves from one another. I think we, you know, I think I read this, I wrote recently, I read it, I can't tell anymore, which the, the um, that love is when you can show your flaws to another person. Yeah. And I think that we always saw that, the broken parts of each other, but we yeah. always also saw the whole parts of each other. But but you you would not have trusted me if I said to you two years ago, oh, you can belly dance, that you, it wouldn't have been enough. You had to do it. Sure. No, but I didn't The process of doing that. it and staying with it. And I, I'm amazed at how hard it is. It's, it's, it's really a complicated, I mean, I, I can't imagine doing it. Um, then you, you came to see yourself, the truth about yourself. And when you see the truth about yourself, I think that's awakening. I think that's true. You don't I have to say, really oh, true. no, I can't do this. Or no, no, I'm no good. Right. You know, that's the story we carry in our lives. I'm no good. I can't do this. And blah, blah, blah. And you're building a new story. You were talking about that, I think, this morning. Yeah, yeah. So, so I was, we were talking, we had friends over for dinner. And I was telling this story, um, you know, one of these stories of my life, you know, how I never, um, uh, the, our friend asked if, if I ever wanted kids. And I said, no, I never wanted kids. And I said, but you know, I always wanted to get close to like my nieces and nephew and I wasn't able to and blah, blah, blah. And as I'm telling this story, which I've told before, I'm thinking, huh, I don't need this story anymore. <laughs> like, I just don't need it. Yeah. And when I thought that it was, again, it was like this feeling of, of lightness that came over me like, oh, yeah. And then when it goes, when those stories go away, when they're not there, it opens up this big space for, for something else because it takes up space. It takes up, you know, it takes up energy. It takes up space. And when the, when the, when the sad story is gone, you, you have to become aware of it. Yeah, when you, you speak know, poorly of your life, it listens. It, yeah. I mean, it's just when, you, when, it's, when it's gone, it's gone. You know, it's, it's like, oh, it doesn't even matter anymore. I remember a great moment in my therapy where I was talking about my own idea of having been abused and my family and all this stuff. And I remember she said at one point, you know, let's take a, a one hour to talk about that and then let's leave it behind mm. because it doesn't really matter anymore. Mm -hmm. And I was sort of shocked at that because, you know, I wanted to talk about it and like, look what happened to me. Um, and, and I realized the wisdom of what she was saying and I just sort of dropped it. Yeah. And you have to be ready to do that. You have to be aware of it and you have to be, you know, you, ha you can't just want it to happen. And it's not insignificant. Know? I mean, it's not an insignificant thing. No, it's thing, important but, stuff. But, but at this point, you, when you know. Yeah. When you're ready your to, life, when you're ready life. to drop it, it's right. like, oh, okay. And that doesn't matter anymore. And then you can move on to something else. Yeah, and, I, and the question I have is, do I want to live my life or do I want to live in the past? And, and I've also been writing a lot and thinking a lot lately about, 
the, you know, people say every spiritual person on earth says live in the present. And I'm just beginning to understand the meaning of that. I never quite got it. And, and I think all, in my case, uh, most of my anger, most of my fear comes from the past, what happened to me, or the future, what I fear will happen to me. It doesn't come from the present. I'm pretty happy in the present. I like what I'm doing. I love being here. I love you. I love the work I'm doing. I love the mansion. I love blah, blah, blah. And the dogs. And so I don't need to do that. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and, and when I wake up in the middle of the night, and oh my God, what's going to happen? Blah, blah, blah. I think, well, what, what about today? Today's right. good. Right. Um, I, I say that to my, sometimes I say to myself, right now I'm fine. Right now I'm good. That's living in the now. Right now I'm good. And it's like, right now I'm good. Right now I'm good. <laughs> right now I'm good. <laughs> but over time you'll believe it. Yeah. You know, yeah, you know. no, it's true. And it, it keeps, I mean, I think, I think actually that's a big part of what my work does, you know, and it is, it, it makes me focus. It keeps me focused, you know, because without, when, when I'm doing my work, I got to be right there, you know, and that's like, that's like a, an exercise. You know what I think the work is for you? I think it's the purest and most honest expression of self. It's really who you are. And, and, and you don't have to think about it. It just comes right up out of it you. It does come out of me. It's true. When you go into the studio. You're happy and busy yeah. and, and creative and you don't, you don't even think about it. It just happens. It's true. And I think when you're, when you're working and I can see it in you, in your face and your body language and your, and your everything, that's who you are. And that's what I remember. I first said when you came back from the belly dancing, oh my God, that's really who you are. And, and so last and thing. And I was like, I, no, it isn't. Yeah, you, yeah, no, <laughs> no, that's crazy. No, that's crazy. I can't do that. I'm not, you know, and, but, but that, I think that the work, I think it's really creative work is, in fact, is the purest expression of, your, of the reality of you. That's who you are. And, uh, and nobody can take that from you. Or, or Well, it's like you with your writing. Yeah. You know, it's like when you're in here writing, you're not thinking about what's, what what's going to happen to me, you know, when I get old or what's going to happen to me in five years or, you know, you're, you're there. You're right there. No, and I'm going through a difficult period in my book writing where, where I have a, a kind of a nightmare relationship with a, a different publisher and a different editor we don't connect with each other we don't talk to each other he doesn't respond to me at all doesn't like my work very painful in many ways except i decided not to do that uh, i write all the time uh, people like what i write i like what i write um, i'm very happy with it and i'm not going to make it into a big scene or drama i'm going to really work it out and move along yeah, i think i i really admire what you're doing with all of that because that's a that's a difficult thing to yeah, go it's through. A it's one. a really, it's a tough one. And you know, how many times did you tell me the story of John Updike when he went into the bookstore and his books weren't there anymore? You know, and it's like, so you wait, you like, you know what's going to happen at some point, right? And you wait for it to happen. But you know what? It's not happening because you have your blog, blog. because you have already moved on and you don't need that. You know, so yeah. it's not, it's not going to happen. I don't even want it anymore. I said this morning, you're going to be you know, like on your deathbed and you're going to be writing about it. <laughs> I mean, really, you will be, you know, it's, it's. I must confess when the coronavirus started up, I thought to myself, okay, I better take a, a laptop into the hospital. <laughs> you're not getting have, my computer. I don't have a laptop. <laughs> and, and, uh, and, and if I have to blog about it, I, I'm not going to have, I can't do it on the iPhone. I mean, like, well, my fingers are too fat. Um, so what am I going to do? <laughs> That's great. That's great. I was thinking about. It. I thought I, bet, I, I said maybe I, I, I better. I, I, if it gets bad, I better go get a, get a laptop and, and fire it up. You can use my laptop. No, I'll use I'm your computer. You can. You don't have any. You know, you go crazy. No, well, I we'll, get, I, we'll, we'll figure it out I when think it happens. I get one. I get a laptop. <laughs> Look at us. We're like, no, you can't do that. <laughs> and you understand that completely. Oh, of course, he's going to need to blog from there. <laughs> This is John, this is your last word for me. I'm here in the hospital, but I have fever of 106, but goodbye. I'm sorry, but I have to do my work. I have to go do my work. That's great. 
Well, all right. I think I think we cover a lot of good ground there. We're almost out of time. Can we please tr like try and keep your office clean so that we can like get into here and do a podcast more regularly? Yes, that wasn't the. Uh, what was the problem? We were just so busy. I don't know. We just every time we said, "Oh, let's do a podcast," and then something happened. Our our brains weren't there. So we're going to try to get back to a weekly schedule. Thank you for being patient. We should do it more often. We have lots going on. We don't ever seem to have trouble no. talking about stuff. Um, and uh, thank you. So if you like our blog, you can put in a little nice review on iTunes that will help us position it. And um, and and my my website is www.bedlamfarm.com. Mine is fullmoonfiberart.com. And uh, you mostly sold all your all your yarn. And I think I have. Left. I think I just have roving left. I think we just do need to talk about these delicious little magnets. It's something very new oh, and strange. My, yes. Okay. You so you sold fifty of them overnight. <laughs> I did. Well, they're little. They're little. They're only two inches by three inches. And um, what happens is I work with this company called Sticker Mule and they're always sending me these deals. And so they get me to, so they do my, my magnets and my pins and um, what else? My decals, my flying vulva decals. And, and so they're always sending me these things where, you know, you can get um, 50 buttons for, you know, $40 or something like that, right? And, and so, or $30. And, um, and so they sent me this thing for magnets. So they said, you can get, you know, 50 magnets for whatever. I can't remember what it was, $30. And so I thought, okay, you know, um, I'll get them and see what happens. And so I used the twin healing trees, which I'm having posters made of and postcards because it was a very popular, a very popular fabric painting that I did. And, and so I got these magnets and they're just these, these tiny little things. I couldn't even get a good picture of it with my camera. You got a picture of it. And they sold like three dollars each, you know. Well, three dollars and free shipping. They, they can <laughs> it's going to take me more time to put them in envelopes than than. Said, uh, you need to get a bigger one and charge worth, a little more. Than is worth, yes, than it's my worth. But um, but it's great. People love them. I mean, they sold immediately. So I think that really image, needs, it's, it's a really, really it's a really strong image, and I am going to make bigger ones. So now you have posters, um, you have quilts, well, you, I, have, you have fiber paintings, you have pot holders. Yeah. You have mag refrigerator magnets. Refrigerator. And, and you also have those stickers, you know, donkey and other stickers. Yeah, those are those I put on the packages. So those when people are buy your stuff, they too. get a bunch of stickers and, and stuff. Yeah. Also, I want to mention next week, I think it's next week, we're going to the Bronx Zoo. Next week, we're going to the Bronx Zoo. And you may remember our Valentine's Day gifts. I got Maria uh, to uh, write to name a hissing cockroach of Madagascar. Which I named it for my friend Jackie. And she, in turn, went and bought me uh, half an hour with a penguin. Yeah. Which is going to be next Sunday. Um, and I think you you get one to one FaceTime with a penguin. Only so we're going to have to do a podcast on that Monday when we come home. We're going to have to, and I'll believe you, I'll have my camera there. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think about meeting a penguin? I'm kind of excited. I'm Are kind you going to shake hands? I don't think you're allowed to touch them. I don't know. Probably not. I don't think so. I just like the idea of shaking you touch hands. Touch them, they probably the like penguin. spray you and throw you. Out. <laughs> probably do. They probably do. But it's going to be good. We're going to go down to the Bronx Zoo for the day and stay overnight, and then come back. So I may meet my granddaughter there even. So who knows? So it's fun. I think we're out of time. All right. So thank you very much. Um, we're going to say goodbye, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening, everyone. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.